0: Romans five eight, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we had even come to him, he showed his love for us as his children, seeing every sin we'd ever commit because one sin unpaid for lands us in the hell. So he had to pay for all of our sins or for none at all. And in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews says, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So, Those that are listening, listen, you're going to struggle. There are times you're going to fail. There are times you're going to sin. But you have to remember that Christ paid for those sins. And it's not humility to run from him when you've sinned. It's pride. It's withholding from God what he paid the highest price to secure for you. The blood of his son was shed so that you can have forgiveness of sin. And so regardless of how many times you failed in the past or think you'll fail in the future, When you sin, you get up, you run to God, you let him dust you off, you receive his grace, and you move forward with the intent to never do it again. Chicken leg hopping competition. Why are you laughing, Oscar? I imagine you competing in it. (laughs) Chicken leg hopping competition. That would be my choice, of Olympic sport If I were able to participate in one well, Why do I say that? chicken
1: leg What's that? This is a Kentucky Fried Chicken Sponsored or what? Chicken leg hopping contest? What's that?
0: Yeah, I have a chicken leg You guys know about my chicken leg? Yeah Show Oscar I've seen it <laughs> Oh yeah, I talked to you about it On our ski trip Yeah, yeah Yeah, I had polio when I was a little boy, so one of my legs is just slightly shorter, slightly skinnier Both of mine are shorter than the other. (laughs) Yeah, Ray has double polio. Easy's known around here as the flamingo. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, Oscar. I'm going to adopt that. They're pretty. The Arab flamingo with big
1: eyeballs. (laughs) Ray, what would you do if you could participate in any Olympic sport? Which would it be? I don't like any sport. I just like watching. When we ran in school, I'd hide in a hedge until the guys come around a second time and join them, so I'd just hate running. It's only because I... I can't breathe when I run. Other than that, it's quite fun. Wait, it's so Do certainly. you have asthma? No, I just can't <laughs> I can't I can never get the breathing timed right. It's just like <laughs> I just end up at, without enough Ray,
0: there. would you would you ever take a challenge of running up a really, really long escalator backwards? <laughs>
1: backwards? I mean, yeah, I did. That was in Dallas. Just about killed myself. It was a good heart test. Who gave you that challenge? You did. Ah, and I ran with it. I couldn't. I can't believe
0: you took. Well, I'm
1: incredibly. um, Yeah, I just. You're competitive, competitive, right? Competitive. Yeah, I didn't realize how competitive I was because my oldest son, Jacob, was very competitive as a kid. And I found myself in my 30s at a church picnic. And when we took off on a running race, someone ankle tapped me and I ended up flat on my face. And I ran out of murderous spirit. I, I think I came in second or something. I felt so angry. And I realized where he got his competitiveness wow. from. But it can be used for the kingdom of God. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mark, Olympic sport.
2: No, well, not anything in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> if I was going to do summer, oh, you were a I, track runner, Mark. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the high hurdles. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> I'd go under them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually had ambition to run in the the high hurdles really? for uh, the Olympics. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, the speeds were crazy fast. I was always told, you know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. And I remember saying that to my coach and he said well no when you get up into that level it's the size of both <laughs> why didn't yeah. you do it i blew my knee out uh, and uh, i actually went 30 years without surgery of getting my knee fixed so i wouldn't get competitive uh, again wow. but i actually three years ago got finally had the knee surgery that i, I needed when i blew my ligaments yeah I tore my ligaments
0: yeah oscar i'd ask you but we don't care <laughs> um so um, <laughs> moving right along average. What, would okay, do, what would you do what would you do
3: uh if you asked me as a kid, I would have said soccer, but now I mean basketball. Yeah. I would love to play basketball That'd be cool. in the Olympics. Amazing. I
0: can't, honestly, I can't believe the, the U.S. basketball team has ever lost. It's pretty crazy. Ray, why do you keep dropping things? It's
1: not my fault. It's gravity. Every few minutes, I see you put your hand on your head. I can't believe it. fell <laughs> again. <laughs> it's gravity. It's way. always gravity. Yeah, I don't know blade. why it slides down. I think it's gravity. the table's sort of slides Blame it on gravity. gravity.
0: So guys, today we're talking about freedom from condemnation and how to walk in God's grace. You know, we have talked a lot on the program and just through our ministry in general about false conversion, about people who profess Christ but are entrenched in sin and aren't truly and genuinely born again. But I think it would be good and right and helpful for us to focus on a program where we know that's not the case, but you have a Christian who's stumbling, who's struggling, and who's constantly battling with eternal security with believing they're truly saved. We've had people write into us about that. We've seen people put comments under some of our YouTube videos about that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saved. Or or people that we've known that we know are born again. I mean, they've been walking with God for 30, 40 years, but they just have this sense of insecurity and condemnation. So I think it's really, really
2: important mm. that we deal with that. You know, I think I've shared this before. It's a quote worth sharing. I shared a lot with men People who simply can't move forward and they're haunted by their past, Mm. and the condemnation is so great that they cannot sleep at night, they cannot function during the day. The condemnation is so strong that their mind wanders in in the simplest of conversations. What do you do? Well, Sproul was asked that same question. How do you deal with that person who is so overwhelmed with condemnation? And he said, this is what I tell them to do. I say, listen, if you still feel condemned, then pray to God again. But this time, don't ask him to forgive you for the sin that is haunting you. Rather, ask him to forgive you for insulting his integrity by refusing to accept his forgiveness. Wow. You see, when God promises to forgive his people, when they repent, he is not playing games. If he says he's going to forgive you, well, then he's going to forgive you. And he who the son has said free is free indeed. Mm -hmm. That what is happening is you are hanging out inside of a prison, but the jail cell is wide open and the outside door is wide open and you choose to live like a pauper when you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, namely fellowship with God. You are missing the current moment because you are thinking about what you did in the past and it's haunting you.
0: Wow. That's good.
2: God's
3: grace is so otherly and so foreign to the lives that we live that It's not a surprise in some ways that we just simply have a hard time understanding it. I mean, if you think about it, our entire lives from when you were a child is built from a quid pro quo. It's performance-based. You just talked about sports, right? Like playing sports as a kid, we grow up thinking that our lives are performance-based. How well am I doing in school? What grade am I getting? Am I good at sports? Even in relationships, we have relationships with people, and it is to some degree a quid pro quo. I know that Could you define quid pro? It's performance-based. I need to do something in order to gain something. Right. I have a friendship, and it's a two-way street. I'm providing, and then they're providing as well. And if I stop providing, maybe they walk away. So think about it, You know, your relationship with your job. You work hard. You get educated. You get a job. But now you got to keep that job. And you know that if you stop showing up, you stop working, or you do something wrong, you're going to get fired. Even in our relationships, even in our most intimate relationship, there's lines in which we cannot cross. So the point that I'm making is every relationship, every part of our lives is built on a system of works. I need to do and perform in order to receive. And then the grace of God comes into play. And it's so otherly. And so foreign. It says to us that He chooses to save simply because He chooses to save. He saves the lost because He wants to. He doesn't look inside of Ray or Mark or Oscar and Easy and think to themselves, "There's something redeemable in that person." Instead, He redeems. And then something redeemable is given to us, right? And so we ought to look at God's love for us and God's grace towards us in such an otherly way because it's not comparable
2: to any other relationship in our entire lives.
1: It's not dependent upon our performance. That's exactly right. What a lot
2: of relief. So yeah. I guess this is consistent then, right? So that quid pro quo, I will do something, I get something in return. Well, now when I blow it, I deserve to be punished, right? And within Christianity, God will never punish his children. He'll correct, he'll chastise, he does that for the people that he loves, but he's not out to punish people because he punished his son, Jesus Christ. Now I like what Brian Spell said. He said, God doesn't want us to punish ourselves to erase our guilt. He punished his son to cancel our guilt. God will not build his kingdom on our pain because he's building it on his mercy, that is the idea. And this is what separates Christianity from every other mm-hmm. worldview out there, and that is that five-letter word, grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? The world does not understand grace. And finally, Erwin, let's say he said there is more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. That's mm-hmm.
0: good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that a big part of it is this performance-based acceptance mentality don't you think ray that a lot of people have
1: it opens fear into your heart access of fear when you think i have to perform to please god i please god in christ i have the righteousness of god in christ i have a smile Hmm. nothing can earn it nothing deserves it which is is that that old saying god's riches at christ's expense is that biblically sound yeah i've heard people disagree with it in the past theologically and i i think it's sound it's wonderful
2: yeah no it's it's, it absolutely is beautiful and they're talking about GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. Yeah, the acronym. the acronym. You know, I come across people all the time that just think, man, I, I'm in this cycle. I can't get out of it. I've already asked for forgiveness, and I committed that act again. I just I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. And I read something one time from someone. I don't know who who said it, but it stood with me. Somebody goes, you know, I, I don't deserve a second chance. Hmm. And the person responded, well, you didn't deserve the first chance hmm. either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's you good. Know, that yeah. puts things into perspective. You didn't deserve the first chance or the second chance, and Jesus would say 70 times 7. And this isn't the idea of, hey, I'm going to continue in sin so that grace may abound. No. no, it's just the idea of we live in a fallen world. You have dirty feet. Remember when Peter went before Jesus the night before he's betrayed, and Peter goes, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And God says, well, if I don't wash your feet, well, then I have, you have no part with me. He goes, well, they not just my feet, my whole body. Mm-hmm. And Jesus goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about your feet, right? There's a metaphor aligned with this. Peter, you walk in places that you shouldn't walk figuratively. You do things that you really shouldn't do. And so there's a symbolism attached to this. I'm washing your feet. This is the servant way to go. And you guys will be servants of all as you go forward. And you're going to forgive people as they do you wrong just as well.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of times we see condemnation amongst Christians because there is, I think, a radical lack of gospel meditation. You know, Ray, we're big here on the gospel, obviously, and the proclamation of the gospel, but a lot of Christians, I think, forget that the benefits of the gospel far exceed just its salvific That's good. power. In other words, it's more than just we're saved through the gospel, but yeah. the gospel should permeate every area of our lives. The truth of the gospel, that we're redeemed, we're born again, we have the righteousness of Christ like you referenced a little bit ago, all that Ephesians 1 promises or talks about in terms of our blessing, that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. All of that is gospel truth. Mm -hmm. And so... Do you think it's just that Christians aren't instructed in this or just don't realize it?
1: Well, I I live by the grace of God. It's the oxygen that I breathe. And there's a paradox in it. If you use the law to bring the knowledge of sin, it so puts salvation out of your reach. It's not a leap in the Grand Canyon. It's a leap from the earth to the moon Mm. to try and please God. You cannot do it. That's what the law does. And so it strips us of any thought that we're going to please God by our good works. It's all by grace. I mean, people say you're preaching legalism by using the law, but it produces the exact opposite of legalism. Mm-hmm. If someone who comes through a door of not seeing sin as being exceedingly sinful, they're the ones that say, mm, my Bible reading pleases God, my witnessing mm-hmm. pleases God, my fellowship pleases God, my tithing pleases God. No, nothing pleases God except the righteousness of God in Christ. And because I know how far I've fallen short of God's glory, because the Lord brought the knowledge of sin and showed it to be exceedingly sinful, I am saved by grace alone. Mm. And that means I don't, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And I'm not, the Christian who's come through that door of seeing how evil his heart is will never say, touch not, taste not, handle not, which is what religion says. It's what the legalist actually says. Those things please God. Don't touch this. Don't do that. Don't listen to that. That's not pleasing to God. That's what my walk is based on. No, it's based entirely upon God's mercy, his grace in Christ.
3: Tell me what gospel meditation looks like practically i love that phrase i've i don't think i've ever heard you say that before what do you mean by that and practically how does somebody meditate on all aspects of the gospel
0: well let me just say first of all two of the most influential books in my life is the one i haven't written yet exactly (laughs) that's exactly the other one's gospel primer yeah gospel primer and the discipline of grace discipline of grace by jerry bridges gospel primer by milton vincent Revolutionary. I'm sure I've referenced them on the program before, but mind-blowing in terms of the reminder about the gospel and every aspect of life that it affects and that it touches on. And when you're meditating on that, you know, Milton Vincent wrote that, his book, because he was inspired by The Discipline of Grace by Jerry Bridges. And Milton Vincent had been a believer that lived under radical condemnation all the time just like almost erratically. I need to make sure I'm saved. I'm, you know, anytime you... And when he read The Discipline of Grace, it just opened his eyes to what we possess in Christ and who we are in Christ and what the gospel did and what it means. And so then he wrote this whole book and he, he wrote kind of the instructional section and then he wrote a section in poetry and then a section in prose. And he just goes through and he talks about every area. Like, why does the gospel affect humility? Because we see the example of Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond and coming in the likeness of men. Wow, if Christ, who came for what purpose? To die, right? To died on the cross. I can walk in humility. Mm. You know, I can learn from that example. Touches on forgiveness, having struggles with forgiving people. And you think Ephesians 4, 30-32, where it talks about if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also should you. How did Christ forgive us? Through the gospel. He died to give us forgiveness. If Christ forgave me of all the sins I committed against him, how can I not forgive others? And those are just examples. I can go on and on and on, but he just starts touching on every area of life. So meditating on the gospel is stopping thinking about Christ. What is the heart of the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, the death and resurrection of christ so often say death burial and resurrection but obviously the crux is the death and the resurrection of christ and so we meditate on that and then think about all of its ramifications in every area of life it's good serving others oh i need to be a servant mm-hmm. well christ was a servant right he came to this earth and he served us he didn't come to be served but to serve and what give his life a ransom for many the gospel there it is again oh man, I get so excited talking about this. Mm-hmm.
3: Man, I love that. I love the way you said that because I had it in my notes to talk about First Peter on how Peter talks about the gospel or grace being like this multi-varied thing. And the word that he uses is like looking at a diamond, having light shine on it, and then moving it around. You see this kaleidoscope of colors. Like you never get over looking at it from different angles. And I think that for us, One of the things that's lost on so much of the quote unquote church in America is the reality of the gospel that God is judge and that we need to be saved from his righteous wrath. But then when you look at individuals who I'm in this camp that has a historic proper understanding of the need for a substitutionary atonement, one of the challenges that I have personally faced in my walk with the Lord is seeing myself as simply Someone who was once a sinner and now who has been set free. In other words, I look at my relationship with God, maybe too much as just a legal transaction. But one of the aspects of exploring the grace of God is seeing yourselves in the way that God sees you from a different perspective. So yeah, I am a sinner who's been saved. There is a legal aspect to my relationship with God. But you know what else there is? There's a father-son aspect to my relationship with i was thinking
1: of the prodigal son as you were talking
3: that's exactly right and so i think you know especially for myself i know i've shared this with you before and i got emotional last time i shared it but my relationship with my biological father mm-hmm. because for those who don't know i grew up without a biological father i had stepdads that were it's not even right to call them a stepdad and i remember specifically one stepdad like every time i went to a party of theirs you'd hear his family refer to me as becky's son that was who i was i was Becky's son. And then I remember when my mom got married to another man, we were at the wedding ceremony afterwards. They got married in Vegas and I'm walking around. I hear people asking him, Oh, who's that? And he would say he's Becky's son. Right? So in other words, anytime my mom got married, I had this quote unquote father figure in my life, but I never felt welcomed. Mm. And then I meet my biological father two or three years ago Mm. And it's incredible. We were separated. He tried looking for me, and some people in my family prevented that from happening. That's a whole other story. But the point is this. I got invited to officiate the wedding for my younger brother, and I'm walking around the wedding, and it's all done and over with, and we're at the celebration. And my father, whenever he sees me, he wraps his arm around me, and he tells all of his friends, this is my son. Hmm. Have you met my son? Wow. And for the first time, I realized that unconditional relationship, that unconditional love the father has for his son. And it taught me certainly something about an earthly father, but it taught me even something more about God's love for me, mm. that he is through the blood of Jesus holding me close saying, this is my son.
1: Wow. This
3: is my son. And so I think that freeing us from that condemnation is viewing ourselves as sons and daughters of a father in heaven who loves us wow oh, kill the
1: fatted calf. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: that's beautiful oscar that, that touches me deeply i've feel like i've kind of walked this journey with you a little bit because i was with you on the phone when you your were. biological dad called you for the first time as you tried to connect with him and it's just been such a joy for me to hear about the progression and what you've been experiencing mm. in that regard you know and that that's grace again that's the gospel right there. Ray, you mentioned the prodigal son. I noted it here for us to talk on. There are people listening right now that have been in that realm of condemnation that have sinned terribly and cannot just get over it. They're believers. They're born again. We're being specific today, right? We're not talking about examine yourself, seeing you're in the, you're in the faith. These people are in the faith, but they blew it. They sinned royally, whatever it was, and they are just living day to day with this Indescribable grief of soul, because they think God is condemning them. So tie that in with the prodigal son story and minister to people.
1: Well, when the prodigal son got out of the pigsty, he left it behind, he may have had it on his feet mm-hmm. and on his clothes, but the father wrapped him in a robe. And God wraps us in a robe of righteousness. So we have total cleansing and forgiveness of sins. And Romans eight one says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to them that in Christ Jesus. We're clean through the word that He's spoken to us." talking about prodigal son, when we're talking about grace, I cannot but help but think of John Newton. Mm, yeah. Amazing grace. Mm. And my favorite line in that whole hymn that he repented was, 'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." Mm. And you think, what's that about? And I just today found out The background, he was in a storm as a sailor and he thought he was going to die. It was such a bad storm. And he remembered the words of his mother that she taught him, Proverbs chapter 2, I'll laugh at your calamity when your storm comes, when terror strikes you like a storm. And he remembered that and it terrified him. And then he said in his own testimony, he sinned with a high hand and he did his best to entice others to defy God's law. And then he said, my whole life, when awake was a course of the most horrid impiety and profaneness, I did not know that I've ever since met so daring a blasphemer. Oh, Talking about himself. Man. And so it was grace that taught his heart to fear. God put the fear of God in him with that storm, thinking he was going to die and then go to hell, be damned. Hmm. But grace is fears relieved through the gospel. And so anyone who's under condemnation needs to look at Romans 8.1 and say, do I believe that or not?
0: Yeah.
1: If I don't believe it, I'm calling God a liar. If I do believe it, I'm clean. I love the whole thought that God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's an infinite distance. You can find north, you can find south, but you cannot find east-west. So when I come back to the Lord and say, I just sinned again, he says, what do you mean again? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. And so that's just simple childlike faith. And those are under condemnation. And we know the word condemnation means con-
0: with a nation. <laughs> you know, I love that saying that says God throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness yes. and puts up a no fishing sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's really powerful.
1: However, I remember my sins when I take communion, but without condemnation. Yeah. I just have a rewind of the most terrible things that entered my mind as a non-Christian. For example? yeah and i just go thank you lord thank you for the cross and there's no condemnation i can think of them without any any fear
0: you know that's interesting you cite that ray because in second peter one which we've talked about before where peter talks about a a whole list of virtues that should mark us as christians he says if he who lacks these things is short-sighted and has forgotten his purification from his old sins. Uh, Even, he says, short-sighted, even the blindness, and has forgotten his purification from his old sins. And sometimes there is a value in remembering what God has saved us from in that regard. And I think that when you think of people like John Newton, and you remember their story, right? The guy was a slave trader, He was a wicked, wicked, depraved man, and when God redeemed him and opened his eyes, what ended up coming forth from that eventually was amazing grace. Yes. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. This guy wasn't hypothesizing about what it would have been like to be a wretch. I mean, he was a wretch.
1: Did the church we saw recently, a few years ago, a modernist church removed wretch from the hymnal?
0: Yes. (laughs) There was someone (laughs) where a song was sung, and yeah, they changed wretch. I don't know what they
1: changed it to.
0: Oh, yeah, that's just (laughs) just crazy. But it's against the backdrop of our sinfulness that we see the grace of God, you know, shining forth in all of its brightness. And so I think it's important for us to step back and think through the overwhelming grace of God. Mark, when we think through the Old Testament, like, think of judges. How many times the children of Israel sinned against the Lord repeatedly and yeah, he still restored them. He still sent them another another judge to guide them out of their
2: wayward ways. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: <laughs> I got a quote from Mark, you. Are you I mean, what am I supposed football? to comment on that, right? I mean,
2: yeah, he was patient with people. That's what he does. He's patient. He's watching the Olympics. Right? I'm not yes. watching anything. Ben of, of Stavner <laughs> said God did not come to uh, rub it in, but to rub it out, right? Just my... Devotion earlier today. I'm um, in Proverbs 33 by Providence. You know, God gives grace. Uh, Proverbs 33. Proverbs 33, verse four. Proverbs three, <laughs> verse thirty-four. Providence <laughs> and Proverbs thirty-one. You're seeing
1: if we're awake, Mark. Very clever. It's verse thirty-four, <laughs> Book of
2: Editions. Proverbs three, verse thirty-four. That's right. no, you're not God that. gives grace to the humble. Scripture says, "To humble yourself under the mighty hand of God." Notice, He's telling you to humble yourself.
0: Yeah.
2: Because God knows how to humble you. Right, if you don't humble yourself, God will know how to humble you. We look at the book of Daniel and see what God did with Shazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. you know, I think Nebuchadnezzar, right? So, continually, they would sin against God, and God would have mercy when they would repent. Yeah. You will not find a place where somebody sought for forgiveness and God did not give forgiveness. You know, I just taught this just this past week. Remember the same elements that are inside of us. You know, we collect all sorts of things. We collect stamps, we collect celebrity signatures, we collect baseball cards, we collect Lego figurines. Well, God has a collection as well, and it's a dust collection. Mm -hmm. We're made of dust, we're made of dirt. God made us from the dirt, and God is collecting dirt, and dirt is dirty, and we make dirty mistakes. And we see, as we look back through all of the Old Testament and even in the New, where we would sin, they would sin against God, and God would be quick to forgive, quick to demonstrate his mercy, quick to give his grace when, and the caveat is there, when they repent, when they're humble, when they break down and tear down those altars and those high places of idolatry and worship, because God does not compete. So if you, here, the promise is simple, you humble yourself and And you draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. He'll be quick to forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. Simple.
3: Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners, livingwaters.com
1: forward slash podcast. Good luck. I like John Bunyan's quote. He said, dark clouds bring waters when the bright ones bring none. Hmm. And I was just thinking how Paul was going through a dark time, three times he asked God to deliver him, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So we have grace extended in the gospel, but grace continuance in Christ when we go through tough times.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, looking back on those that did sin royally, I mean, we could take David as an example. And what's interesting about David is even after his death, he was referred to as a man after God's own heart. He was referenced as that kind of man. But David sinned royally. I mean, he committed adultery. He hid his sin. He had Bathsheba's husband killed. And yet, I think of what Nathan the prophet said to him. The second that David said, surely I have sinned against the Lord, right? He did the whole right, you are no the There's no hesitation
2: man. with the answer. Here, yeah, I love
0: it. He did the whole you are the man thing with him, with the whole story about the guy who Took the other guy's sheep that was like his pet or whatever. And David was indignant. He was angry about that. I mean, imagine that moment, that moment of enlightenment. You are the man. Mm. And you just realize, whoa, my sin is no longer <laughs> hidden, you know? And David immediately says, I surely I have sinned against the Lord. And yeah, without skipping a beat, Nathan says, And the Lord has put away your sin. Now, there were consequences, you know? The sword didn't depart from his household, and and there were radical consequences. But therein, you see that the grace of God, that David was his child, he was his son, and this didn't incur God's wrath upon him. There was discipline for Mm. it, for sure, but not that punishment unto condemnation. Psalm 51
3: is his poem of repentance. And when you read through that, it's broken up into three different segments. Segment one is confession. Segment two, the middle is repentance. But it doesn't end there. It ends in celebration. It ends with him. Once he turns the corner and says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord, it turns into celebration of God's grace on him, and then it turns into him talking about proclaiming God's grace into the world when he says, I will stand on Zion, I will open my mouth and speak your truths. And so, our understanding of grace moves us from that judgment, from that knowing that we've wronged, into celebrating that God has forgiven us. Yeah.
1: And his evangelistic thrust, we can read there, them while I teach transgresses, your ways and sinners shall be converted to you.
0: Hmm. Wow, Psalm 51, Ray, has always been a favorite of yours yeah. I mean, you, you cite yes. it a lot Yeah, I love it What is it in it that, that really stands out? I
1: think you? David owns his sin That's what thrills me yeah. Because when, when you go through the commandments with anyone It's like everyone sins, everyone lies everyone sins. But the real penitent is the person that says against you And you only have I sinned and yeah. done this evil in your sight yeah. And so it's thrilling Because it's my testimony as a Christian That's how I felt And that's how I feel
3: Psalm 51 was the first chapter I memorized in the Bible. Really? Really. Really? I love that song.
1: Wow.
0: You know, I love the saying that says, God doesn't forgive excuses, only sins. And I think that there is this perception on people's part that calling it what it is before the Lord without justification is going to somehow be a bad thing. (laughs) It's like, it's the opposite. Our minds play these crazy, insane diabolical tricks on us nothing delights god more than for the believer to say lord it's mine i own it like you said david owned it it's my sin i've often said the heart is both the sin factory and the sin warehouse it's a place where our sin is manufactured mark 7 deals with that it gives that whole list of sins and it says they come from within from Mm -hmm. the heart of man but it's also the warehouse because sometimes that sin is manufactured and instantly stored on the shelves of our heart, and we don't know that it's even there until we're shaken up in a certain way, and it comes up, and it's like, whoa, okay, that's mine. And when we own it, when we humble ourselves, yeah, God, as opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. There's cleansing. There's. It's like the man who says, hey... I'm sorry if I did anything and right. if you. Might or I'm offended. sorry if that offended you. Yeah. Which right. is not really saying
3: I'm sorry for anything.
0: No. Yeah. And so understanding that and recognizing, listen, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died mm. for us. Before we had even... Come to him. He showed his love for us as his children, seeing every sin we'd ever commit because one sin unpaid for lands us in the hell. So he had to pay for all of our sins or for none at all. And in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews says, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So those that are listening, listen, you're gonna struggle. There are times you're gonna fail. There are times you're gonna sin, but you have to remember that, Christ paid for those sins. And it's not humility to run from him when you've sinned. It's pride. It's withholding from God what he paid the highest price to secure for you. The blood of his son was shed so that you can have forgiveness of sin. And so regardless of how many times you failed in the past or think you'll fail in the future, when you sin, you get up, you run to God, you let him dust you off, you receive his grace, and you move forward with the intent to never do it again. And I think maybe, Mark, that's what's missing as well. It's that taking our sins seriously enough to say, I'm also intent by God's grace to flee from that and not do the things that lead me down that road.
2: Yeah, and recognizing that God enables you to do those very things, right? The only joyful Christian is the obedient Christian. You know, that there's no peace for the wicked. There's no peace for the righteous even who do wicked things, there has to be that sort of a game plan to continually forget what lies behind. That's kind of the way you opened this whole thing up, that we need to be quick to forget successes and failures and all the like, yet learn from them in order to continually move forward. I had a gentleman come up to me last Sunday. I was in Tennessee speaking at a church, and I had this military gentleman come up to me, and he was a big guy, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, I had a moral failure I gave my wife an STD, mm. and I just told her. I just came clean. And he said, but you said something that stood out to me. And he goes, oh, you said something that stood out to me. One, you said your Redeemer is bigger than your past. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing you said, was, which was very practical, and I've said it probably a million times on the, even on this podcast, which is just simply this. The reason I know that God isn't done with you is because you're still alive. Yeah, you know, You'll know when God is done with you. Right. But until then, you know, we've been created for good works, for our good and for His glory. If you're still alive, you know that God hasn't thrown in the towel, right? He, he knows all about you and He's not going anywhere. Right. So we can have that full assurance of drawing near to God and say, all right, so I messed up. I, yeah, I might mess up again, but where am I going to go? Back to Egypt? Mm-hmm. Right? that Going back to bondage and slavery and living underneath the house of a dictator who has nothing good in mind, right? I can't serve the enemy anymore. So I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. And that needs to be the mindset that, yeah, as soon as I mess up, I'm going to lift my hands up. I mess up, I'm going to lift my hands up, and I'm going to draw near to the Lord, trusting with full assurance that He's going to draw near to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that attitude of regardless of how many times I failed in the past or think I'll fail in the future, I'm determined to get up, receive God's grace, and move forward. Right now. Right now.
3: Even even the word determined, though, may for some people be like, oh, I have to go approve or earn, and that's my trouble is that I feel like I've never done enough for God's grace. And I think that another way, speaking of different aspects of the gospel, to understand your pursuit of righteousness is a celebration, so you think about the paralytic who spent his life sitting on a mat and not walking. And then Jesus comes and he heals them. And he tells them to get up and walk, pick up your mat and walk. He stood up on those feet celebrating his healing. Yeah. Do you think that guy walked around for the rest of his life like, oh man, I better use my feet because God gave them to me. Mm-hmm. No, he celebrated the fact that he could now walk. He celebrated the work of grace in his life that Jesus offered, yeah. offered him. offered No longer
1: defeated. What's that? They're no longer defeated.
3: He's no longer defeated. <laughs> defeated. De- <laughs> and for for Is that us, that
0: original ray.
3: It just happened live on air. S came out of my <laughs> mouth. But Psalm fifty one does the same thing. David repents of his sins, not out of a way of working off a debt that God has paid. Rather, he repents of his sins and walks in righteousness celebrating the grace that God has given him. And so our yeah. repentance leads to a celebratory change
0: in our lives.
1: Isn't it summed up that salvation's a free gift and we can't do anything to deserve it. We just
0: yeah, receive it. Absolutely.
1: Right through a whole Yeah. Lives.
0: And Oscar, by determine I mean, and I think it's important to clarify, it's having that attitude, like Paul said to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. To discipline ourselves for godliness. And to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not work for, but to have that grit to say, no, I'm going to walk in God's grace. Not I'm going to try to earn God's right. favor, but I'm going to walk in the favor that I have because of what Jesus did. And, I knew what you meant. I just knew that Mark didn't know what you meant. Yeah. Do you know Mark doesn't speak English. We
1: have never had any disagreements on this program, I don't think. How could, dare you? Yes, we, mean, have. we have. We have Listen. Not, we have not.
0: Okay. So... Man, you made me lose my
1: train of thought. Good, we can close the program. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's not true. We had a disagreement, didn't we? Talk about Mark not being there for the first time you guys walked into the building. Did we
0: record that?
1: No, it wasn't recorded. No, no, no. We
0: thought we had. Remember once we thought we had a disagreement when you, you and I. I was saying that yeah. people standing for the reading of the word and yeah. stuff yeah, like that, yeah, and I was yeah. talking about guests at a church standing Making up and being introduced up. in front of everyone. You know, that was Ray, a hot debate, by the way. Ray, as we do start to draw to a close, you know, one of the most tender accounts in Scripture for me is Jonah. I disagree. <laughs> you don't know nothing about Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. It's man. There's something about it that shows God's tender heart, and I think part of it is because. The Lord actually reasoned with Jonah. I mean, here's Jonah, right? God calls him to go to these Ninevites to tell them to repent, or he was going to cast judgment on them. And Jonah runs away. And then he obviously gets swallowed by that big fish, gets spat up on the shores. He repents inside the belly of the fish. And it's funny because. You could take the first chapter and then remove, I think it's chapter two, and then chapter three, it picks up right there. You could have removed everything there because it says, then Jonah arose and went to Nineveh <laughs> It's after, right after God tells him, go. And then he goes through all that rebellion. So you could eliminate eliminated all that. But, but then Jonah preaches to the Ninevites, and then they repent. And Jonah's sitting up right on the hill, and he just wants to die because God forgave them. Is this not what I said, Lord, when I was still in my country?
1: He's like the prodigal's brother.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he really is. And then remember the Lord made that gourd to grow and to give him shade. And he loved that shade. And then God causes a worm to eat it and it withers. And then Jonah just wants to die again. And God says, look at you, you're concerned about that gourd that sprung up in a day and then perished. How about all of these people and Mm -hmm. all of these, not to mention the animals. I mean, the tenderness of God's heart. And Jonah said, I knew that you were like this. You're one who's quick to relent from doing harm. You know? And he spoke about the compassionate heart of God in so and he's many He's mad words. about it.
1: That was beautiful. Yeah. Thank and, you, Easy. Oh, thank you very much. You yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Did
0: you write that? Did you make that up? Well, you know. <laughs> he's Jonah. He's Jonah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So anyway, we can't forget Peter.
1: Thank you, no, Peter. We can't now. <laughs> Got to remember him.
0: <laughs> you brought him up. Can't get him out of my mind. Yeah. But to think about what Peter did when he denied Jesus three times yes. and said, in essence, he never meant anything special to me. And Oof. that rooster crowed, and then Jesus looked at him. Just
1: looked at him. Didn't say anything. <sighs> he went out and wept
0: bitterly. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that Jesus called for him by name? Yes. After he rose again. Mm. And... Even we see at the end. But go
1: and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. Yeah.
0: And at the end of John, where Jesus talked to him about, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he spoke to him about feeding his sheep and feeding his lambs. And he he still used Peter. Yeah. He didn't give up on Peter. And then Peter sins again. We know, obviously, in Galatians, Paul rebukes him to his face. Mm. You know, But obviously, we know God still used him even beyond that. And so... We really need to remember God's grace. Oscar, what would you say to those right now that are struggling with their sin and their condemnation? How do they get beyond that? What do they do? What's the course?
1: Hmm.
3: To take back what we said earlier, I think that we ought to stop seeing ourselves through our own eyes. We need to start thinking less of ourselves, because even, even that might feel like humility where like, man, I'm just staring at my sin. I'm staring at what I haven't done. I'm staring at what I need to do. That's even thinking highly of yourselves. Humility is thinking less of yourself Mm -hmm. and thinking more of Christ to be able to focus on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. And then to start viewing yourself the way that God views you as his sons and daughters. Much like I said earlier, it's like God has got you, and he's saying, this is my son, and this is my daughter. These are my people. Once we view ourselves the way God views us, I think it'll free us from the self-condemnation that we hold ourselves to over the sins that we've committed in the past. Yeah,
0: and I think when we walk in condemnation, because as it's been cited before, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ, and then this is the part, though, where I think some Christians even hearing this, because when someone lives in the condemnation mode, they're always looking, I think, for a way to justify their condemnation. And so some will say, well, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, I've walked in the flesh. I've... But don't forget what he says in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so if you're born again, you're not in the realm of the flesh. Of course, you can give in to the flesh and sin at times. But if you're born again, you're not there. So if you're a Christian, you're born again, and you are walking in condemnation, you're walking in what's called irrational condemnation Mm. because it doesn't exist.
3: That's good. It's a figment of
0: your imagination. And so revel in God's grace. Receive it and move forward because it was purchased for you. And let the Lord use you as a trophy of His grace.
1: Very simple little thought that God's provided us with an umbrella to be sheltered from His wrath, and we just got to stay under
2: it.
3: Mm. Amen. Listener, we're we're so happy that you're here with us. It blesses us that you will spend 45 minutes to an hour of your day listening to Three Fools (laughs) and one other no the four of us talk about the things of the lord one way that you can be a part of this podcast is to make sure that whatever platform you're on to subscribe to it and then to leave a review that goes a long way in making sure that this podcast is discovered and listened to by other believers and even non-believers so thank
0: you for your part in listening and subscribing and reviewing Yeah, and make sure to check out the resources we have, you know, on livingwaters.com. Ray wrote a powerful book called The God Who Speaks on Job. I think it's just God Speaks. Oh, God (laughs) Speaks, yes. I'm very familiar with that book. (laughs) It really is a great book that touches on those that are going through difficult times, and maybe some of your condemnation is related to trials that you've gone through and maybe even failure in the midst of those trials. Believe it or not, Job failed in the midst of those trials. He started off with a bang. God has given, God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But then he began to become demanding in his attitude toward the Lord and said a lot of foolish things. But still, God in his mercy brought him through that. And So that's a great resource. God speaks, livingwaters.com. Thanks for joining us. See you here next time on The Living Waters P O D C A S T.
2: You had to think about it. You just
0: can't say it regularly. No, and I never (laughs) will. No idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California, Yvonne from Crestline. California, Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina, Andrea from Anderson, Indiana, Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, Lowell from Yakima, Washington, Don from Charleston, Illinois, John from Ford, Australia, good on you, mate, and Dave from
2: Willin Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.